for me. We got a couple of slides to get through this morning. So one of the things we say every Sunday is that we believe in making disciples. We believe that God has called every single one of us, no matter what kind of title you have or what you're doing in your life, is to make a disciple. The second thing we believe is is restoring families. We believe the the greatest family uh, image that we've ever seen is the family of God. He comes from all different walks and backgrounds of life, and everyone is adopted into this family. So we believe that as church, we can restore families by people seeing the family of God in action. And we believe in ending everyday hunger. We do those in two ways. One, we do community meals. So if you know somebody that's always hungry, the second and third Wednesday of the month we feed, and then we'll be opening up the grocery store in November. So that we believe that will be a big, big eureka moment for Faith City as, as God continues to allow these things to happen. All right, Marlon. Okay, it's going slow today. All right. All right, today we're going to be in a couple of different, uh, but the last week we started the relationship to prayer. Like we talked about who Jesus, what Jesus' relationship was to prayer. Like when the disciples said, hey, I want to pray like you, Jesus, they're like, oh. Like, we just thought it was these words. We've been quoting these words, but it was actually how he was, how he had a relationship with God, started this prayer. It wasn't, they didn't see, like, the words that were being quoted. They saw the relationship. And so today, we're going to be talking about the cause of prayer. Like, what should cause us to pray? Like, I know sometimes, like, we are caused to pray in so many different ways, but God has actually a formula or, or some principles and like, what should cause us to pray? Like, I just thinking about, I was, before we were going to even start the service, I just thought about the day. The day I said that first, that first time. I'm not saying it was a salvation prayer. I said it was my surrender prayer to Jesus. And I, I just remember it like it was yesterday. 29 years old on my knees in this small church in Florida. And I just remember just crying and just weeping and just praying, not knowing what the words meant, not knowing if the words actually were saying anything. I just knew that everything in that moment was changing for my life. I just knew when I prayed that everything changed. And when I was getting up from that place, I wasn't going to be the same. I wasn't going to be the same Carl. And so I know that when we sometimes when we pray, we pray sometimes just to check it off our list in our life. I do it. We're like, oh, man, I forgot to pray today. Let me go ahead and pray. Like we, we, we need to be caused to prayer. We need a cause. Like I am a, I'm a cause person. Like I love social justice. I don't care what anybody says. I'm one of them social justice people. I love that these kids, uh, these kids like exited their school. And, and protested for global change. I love that. I love that. It doesn't matter how they did it. I remember in school, I was just a rebel. I was, I was just always an outcast. I wanted to always, like, protest, but nobody wanted to protest with me. And so I was usually alone in those facts. But I love that they had a cause. They had something in their life that they knew they wanted to change, and they don't want it to be the same. So they picked up something, and they said, I need to put some action to it. And make sure people notice and make sure something happens or make sure something is going on. And sometimes we 
need that same kind of energy, that same kind of unction, that same kind of uh, 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 power that these young kids have in our prayer life. Sometimes we just need to get up and say, I don't care what's happening. I don't care what my day looks like. I don't care what my week looks like. I need to pray. Listen, it's so hard. Like, the Jesus disciples saw something amazing and wanted to pray like that. They didn't know the words, the words they were saying, but it would cause them to pray. Just think of the things that are going on in your life right now. Think of your schedule. Think of your kids. Think of your life. Think of your family. Think of everything. Think of your worries. Think of your anxieties. Think of everything that should be causing you to pray. And then think about everything that stops it. Everything that stops you from praying. Jesus' disciples saw something amazing and wanted to pray like that. They they didn't necessarily want the words, but they wanted the cause. So first they wanted the relationship. Now they wanted the cause. When we pray like Jesus, we second, because first... The first thing we, we understand is that we need a relationship to prayer. If we don't have a relationship to prayer, then we're just saying idle words. The second thing we know, we must understand the, his cause to pray. Like, why is Jesus praying this Lord's Prayer? Why did he tell us to pray it like this? He could have said so many different words. He could have said so many different ways, but he said, pray like this. And then I have a transforming thought. It says, When we seek God, if you can write this down, when we seek God, we don't have to seek anything else. He gives everything. When we seek God, we don't have to seek anything else. He gives everything. And I tend to think about that 29-year-old guy who was on his knees Seeking God in desperation, there was no one else that could answer him, fill him, supply what he needed, except for God in that moment. And when he did, God showed up and gave him everything that he needed. Like, I needed everything to be gone. I needed to be changed that day. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I pray, now, I just check it off. And it bothers me. And I ask God for that desperation again. I ask him to make me desperate. I got one point today. The cause of prayer of every disciple that they should know is they can lay all their confidence in God to free their mind of all anxiety. And how we know that. Jesus and Paul talks about these six things that keeps us from laying our confidence in God. Like, we, we can tell you, we know right now, like, there's some things in our life that is keeping us being confident in praying in God right now. Like, we know it. Like, I know one of the things is my schedule. What I do every day. Like, when I wake up to get Keegan ready, when Mel leaves the door, making sure all those things. Like, I don't have the time that I would want to a lot to pray. What do I have to do? I got to get up earlier. I have to change what I'm doing to put all my confidence in God. And sometimes I just don't want to do it. And I know, 
We know these things. And he says he's got these five things. The first scripture we're going to be in today is Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Like, this is what Paul is saying to the Philippian church about what it means to pray. And when I, when I first think about this and I hear what Paul is saying, we can tell a contrast in our life what is confident and what is not confident. And I think the thing about worry, as we're going to be talking about, is the thing that keeps us from laying our confidence in God. Like, we can look at the world around us today, and so much anxiety and worry are plaguing people's hearts and minds and depression that they can't lay their confidence in God. It says it like this in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is telling us that worry is stopping us from bringing petitions to God. I don't know about you guys, but when I used to hear about worry or I'm worried about something, we get on the phone. We start texting somebody, we call somebody we know, we meet up with somebody and tell them about all the things that we're worried about. The last person that we lay our confidence in is God. We lay it in our husband and our best friend. I'm not saying that you can't do that, but saying just a shift of your mind to think about who do you lay your confidence in when you're worried? Who do you lay your confidence in when you need peace in your life? You lay your confidence in other things. People say, oh, how do you, how do you unwind, Pastor Carl? Well, I watch, I, we go to Netflix. We watch TV. We do all these things. If you can just surround yourself with all these things that lay your confidence in, but God. And the worry doesn't go away. We wake up the next day, and the worry may have intensified, or we may not think about it. We try to get it away. And me, myself, one of the things I used to do to get rid of the worry and get rid of the pain was drink alcohol. And if I forgot about it, then it wasn't there. I was laying my confidence in my addiction. And I wasn't laying my confidence in God. And we're going to talk about what, what happened there. So, but if, and then he goes into this, he, Paul is referenced in this, he takes this reference from what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 23 through 33. Paul didn't just come up with this. He said, he said, listen, bring all your prayers, all your petitions with thanksgiving. Not without thanksgiving, but with it. He says, everything that you're thinking about in your life, everything that's happening, all your petitions, like supplications, when you want God to move, but bring it with thanksgiving. Thank him for what he's already done. If you could start thinking about thankfulness and gratitude, like, you know, they have those old sayings, yeah, your gratitude will change your attitude. <laughs> And, you know, all those, your attitude determines your altitude. You know, all those little things they used to put in my classroom. As a kid, I remember all those little things. But I remember one time a pastor told me, he says, Carl, you'll never worry if you always have thankfulness in your mouth. I said, man, that's it. When I start to worry, I start to thank God. And Paul is saying the same thing. When you pray and make your petitions, bring thankfulness to God. And then he says this, he says, he says, and the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Man, one thing we all have to understand is that the reason that we are worried and we have anxiety and we have pains is because we don't have peace. And when the peace of God comes upon our lives, it's like this marker. Like last week, uh, we did we did an exercise where right before we asked for some prayer requests, we're going to do that again. But after somebody prayed, she said, I felt the peace of God. As soon as I started to pray the prayer. We don't even understand why. <laughs> There's nothing in our life that should tell us, okay, she should get peace of God right now for saying this prayer. There's nothing. But Paul says, when you make requests known with thankfulness, which surpasses all understanding, you'll get peace. So here's Jesus talking to his disciples. I love this. He's talking to his disciples about all these things. And as he looks at them and talks to them, he sees worry upon them. Like, we see worry, like, man, are we gonna are we gonna make it? Man, Jesus, uh, is this thing real? <laughs> like, what is happening? He starts in Matthew 6, 20, 23. I'm going to start there. I know you never start a sentence with a preposition, but I'm going to do it today. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Then he goes into this. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you eat or what you will drink are about your body. What you will wear, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field, they don't even labor or spin or thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of those. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. So don't worry, saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But here goes Jesus saying again, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided unto you. Jesus talks about five things. Did we get it working, Marlon? All right, good. Yes. He talks about light. He talks about eyes. He talks about masters. He talks about clothing. And he talks about food. All these things he talks about in this passage to his disciples. He talks about these five things in such a way that we, we, when we hear it, we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. We, we, need to, we need to reexamine this. We need to reexamine this. Listen, I was born with cataracts. So I know what it means to have, like, unhealthy eyes. Like, when he's talking about darkness, like, there's something, like, I cannot see 
everything. Like, God, Steve is back there in the back. I can only see him because the light is on. I can barely see him. Like, there's something wrong with our eyes. And when Jesus starts to talk about the eye and the light, he says it like this. It's such a great thing. He says, if your eye is healthy and you're focused on the right thing, you can see things plain and clearly. If your eye is healthy. But if you're like Pastor Carl and you have unhealthy eyes, sometimes things are foggy. Sometimes you don't know which way, what, what the direction or what things are in front of you. Sometimes the things in front of you are not clearly seen. So he says if your eye is unhealthy, then there has to be some darkness to it. Your peripheral is not seeing the correct thing. I said, oh, my goodness, that is so crazy. That is like how I feel every day when I'm not wearing my glasses. I wake up and I and I have I see, wake up and I see spots. I see dark spots. I don't ever see light spots. I see dark spots. I have to rub my eyes quite often to see them so they focus correctly. And then all of a sudden he says these things. He says, if you have light inside of your body, your body filled with light, not darkness. He says, because if you have the darkness, how deep is this darkness? How deep will this darkness go? Who is this darkness for? Who are you looking to? Who are you worrying about? Because this darkness is making you worry. And you're not laying your confidence in. That darkness is deep. And then he says, the light of your body. If your eye is healthy, if you're focused on the right thing that's clearly plain, then guess what? You will have light. I love this. He says it like this. He says, when the eye is fixed on things that are clear and plain, but when it's unhealthy and searching, it can't see anything clearly. <laughs> There's some men who have what other men call a wandering eye. They're married men, and so we call it a wandering eye. Let's just talk about it. It'll be sometime be an elephant in a the room. They see something pretty. They're sitting down with their wife, and they start to wander their eyes. They don't see what's clearly in front of them. And so sometimes I think, I think Jesus is really talking about, like, what's on the inside of us. There's something that we're searching for, something that we're looking at that is, that is unhealthy, and we definitely don't see things clearly. The, we, the reason that we can have light in our body is that we set things above, not things below. When we look to heaven, when we look on things that we treasure in heaven and treasure in Christ— that fills our light in our body. That fills us. Like, I don't know about you. I love when we're serving people. And I'm, I'm an extrovert, so meeting a lot of people, shaking hands, giving hugs, that makes me feel good. Like, some people who are introverts, like, they got to go away. Like, Jesus, I think Jesus was a little bit of both. He went away to pray, and then he was around a whole bunch of people. Like, when I'm around people, I was like, yes, I love this. I love being in the crowds. It, it, it energizes me. But when I look, and you know, one thing I even love more is like going to like Christian conferences. I love it. I love everybody worshiping on one accord. I love everybody knows why they're there, what's happening there. We don't have to guess. Oh, we're here for Jesus. We're all, we're all here to worship Jesus. I don't know, but some people may not be. But I'm here to worship Jesus. And then there's that other person right next to me who's raising his hands like that then we know that we're seeking the same thing, and it's powerful. And if your body is seeking those things, you're, you are seeing things clearly. You are clearly seeing things. Then he says this. This is the one we struggle with the most. 
He says, we cannot serve God and another master. I had an experience when I was in Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge was the rehabilitation center I was in. And uh, one of the things that happened is that I was selling all these, uh, these timeshares. And I remember reading this scripture. Hey, I would do like these little devotions and I would read this scripture. And I read this scripture that said, it says, you can't serve God and money. I said, man, I can't. I can't serve God and money. Why am I selling these timeshares? <laughs> Why am I selling these timeshares? I can't serve God and money. So I went up to the guy and I was like, I quit. He said, hold on, you're in a program. You can't quit. I said, yeah, I can't serve you and God at the same time. He said, yes, you can. You can serve. You're going to serve me. And we got like in this little argument that was going on. Then uh, direct, uh, one of the guys, he was like, Carl, man, you got to go back in there and work. I said, nope, I can't serve God and money. I can't do it. I cannot do it. And so the next thing I know, that all right, Carl, you got to pack up your things. So here I am, standing my ground. Say, I'm going to serve you, God. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's about to happen. So I packed up all my things. And they make me sit in the office for like three hours. Like I'm sitting in there thinking like, man. I was like, all right, God. You said I can't serve. I'm standing on your word. I, I'm not going to serve two masters. I'm not. I'm serving you, Jesus. I've given my life to you. I want you to have everything. I will not sit in there in these timeshares and lie to these people and tell them they're going to get anything. I will not do it. And so we get in there. The director comes, and he's like, all right, Carl, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to serve Jesus. He said, that's right. And he said, you got one week in there. And one more week, and that's it. He said, you're not going anywhere. We're going to continue your rehabilitation. But if you can stay in there one more week, then you can stay. I was like, all right, I can do that. Then all of a sudden, you know, there was like these little details he didn't tell me after I got off the office. I had to serve 25 timeshares that week to get out of the room. And I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm listening to you. I don't even like selling timeshares. But let's see what happens. So in three days, I sold 25 timeshares. Never done that before in my life. And I didn't lie. I didn't do anything. They thought, and then I walked out that room. And I remember the next thing I did at Teen Challenge was answer phones. And they said, you're a first responder. And I just remember, like, the joy that I had for not serving this guy anymore. The joy that I had for not serving this man and say, I serve one master and one master alone. And if you, if you don't keep your eye on Jesus, if you don't keep your eye on Jesus and you keep your eye on the world, you won't see clearly what will happen. Like God needed to, for me, for that situation was so weird, so, so crazy, but it, it determined the trajectory of what I see. It determined who I was and what I, what I didn't, didn't have to do to serve in Jesus' kingdom. I didn't have to serve Jesus' kingdom for money. I didn't have to look to other men to supply all my needs. All I had to do was place my faith in Jesus, and he would change my circumstances and not let somebody else determine what my circumstance would be. And, man, that has changed everything in my life by serving one master. And then Jesus talks about clothing. Man, I love clothes so much, Jesus. Man, I love fashion so much. Like, it's the thing. I love it. 
But Jesus says just like this. He talked about how people desire to be seen when they pray and what they wear. Like he talks about the man in the square. He says they're hypocrites. Praying aloud, just giving lip service. And they want everybody to see who they are. They want everybody to see what they're wearing and what they look like as they pray and say, I want to be as pious as that person. And that's not what God is saying. He says, you should go in your prayer closet by yourself and pray. And he says, what you pray in private, I will reward in public. So everything that you're praying for your life, God's going to reward you of that. He says it. That's his word. Then he says this thing, man, I have a, you look at me, I love food. And he says this, do not worry where your food's going to come from. He says, he talks about the anxiety that is behind food. Do you know there's this thing called air hunger? Like there's actually an anxiety that athletes get, and it's called air hunger. It's like they don't, if, they, if they don't get enough food, like they're eating, and they don't get the food at a certain time, all of a sudden they get this anxiety, and their blood pressure comes up. And they were like, oh, my goodness. Like, I'm not going to make it through the day. And some people got, get shakes. They get jittery. Oh, they need coffee. They need energy drinks. That's why we got all these energy drinks. Because they get this anxiety. And he tells his disciples not to worry about what the birds get, what the lilies have. He says, God will supply all your needs. We have been conditioned to, to eat when we want to eat, do what we want to do. But God, like, says, don't worry about food. I remember I was in Bible college. I was poor. Like when I met Melanie, I had no job, no money, no nothing. I was on a prepaid phone card talking to her. And I just remember it was one time I was like, I ain't got no deodorant. I ain't got no soap. I ain't got no shampoo. Then all of a sudden somebody comes and says, hey, Carl, somebody mailed a box to you. Like I'm not going to be super spiritual, but I'm going to say God knew I needed it. Some of those things. And sometimes when we need things, we, we, actually, we, we actually pray to God. But when God sends somebody to give it to us, sometimes we're like, oh, that's not it. Y'all know y'all heard that story about the guy on a boat. He's, he's about to be drowning. Everything's flooded. He's in this boat. And all of a sudden, a guy comes by on another boat. was like, hey, man, I'm here to save you. He's like, nope, God's going to save me. He's like, hey, man, I'm here to save you. A helicopter comes say, hey, man, I'm here to save you. He says, no, God's going to save me. Then another boat comes by, and he says, hey, man, I'm here to save you. And he says, nope, you're going to save you. So the man drowns, and he goes to heaven, and God goes, he goes, God, why didn't you save me? And he says, I sent three people. <laughs> Sometimes that's what we do. Like, we don't accept things. Remember, we had a, a couple that was serving with us in the very beginning, and, like, I just knew they didn't have any groceries. They would never ask. Like, we have so much pride. And, and what we worry about food, so much anxiety around it. And I just remember this guy, like, not saying anything. I said, hey, man, do you need some groceries? No, we're all right. We got some leftovers. I said, leftovers from what? He's like, well, I, I said, all right, we're going to the grocery store. We're buying you some groceries. You're going to have some food. Now you don't have any more worry. And then he came to me in a couple of weeks. He said, man, I didn't understand how divisive, like, food insecurity can be to my life. I didn't understand, like, how dark it was. Like, me not asking you for food and having all this anxiety and worry about it, it really put, like, it really put something on me. And I was like, yeah, it's, you know how many people deal with that day in and day out worrying about that? And God says we get this reward. When we get these six things, 
we get these six things and we give it to him, we get this reward. And he says, peace that is beyond all understanding. I love this. Matthew 6.33 says it's so great. It says, but seek. I love the King James Version. It says, but ye seek. But you seek first the kingdom of God. Don't seek counsel. Don't seek your other friend. Don't seek anything else. Seek God first. You seek God first. And then he said, and his righteousness. Like, God, I'm seeking your kingdom, your kingdom to supply all my needs in first. And then I want you to be in right. I want to be in right standing with you. So I'm not going to lie, cheat, or steal to get the things that I'm not. I'm not going to tell some sob story. I'm going to believe in you that you're going to supply all my needs. And all these things, he said, will be provided to you. I used to be that guy. Like, I used to be on the street, and I used to be, say those things. Like, like, oh, yeah, God, I'm seeking you, but I'm going to get it any way I can. <laughs> I'm going to do all these things. And God just says it right here. He says it so plainly. He says, but seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. And, we, and when we talk about everything, what is everything? What is everything that God's saying that he can do? Everything is family. Everything is afflictions. Everything is embarrassments. Everything is trials. Everything is body, mind, friends, conflicts, losses, hopes, fears. Everything. Anything that your mind can come up with, Matthew 6.33 says, if you seek the kingdom of God first and all of his righteousness, then everything will be added unto you. Everything. He can deal with everything in that moment. So today we come to end of the message and we have this we have this exercise that we're doing and we ask for if you would like a prayer request we want to pray we're going to do something a little bit different so if there's anything that you would like prayer for this week you can just go ahead and, and speak it out forgiveness all right anybody else guidance all right anybody else Okay, clear understanding. <laughs> you can talk, you can tell, you don't have to bring one word, you can say, you can, if you got a couple of words to say, you can say it. Hunger? All right. We got, we got uh, clarity, forgiveness, hunger, guidance. Anyone else? For me, I want faithfulness. And so we're going to do this, and we're going to say it together. It's in the slide. Uh, Marley, if you go to the next one. We're going to believe God. We're going to place all our confidence today. Even if you didn't say anything and you have, you have something that's deep in your heart, and you're like, I'm not a person that speak out loud, Carl. We're going to pray this together. We could pray this all out loud. No, I'll pray it. You bow your heads. And as I pray this prayer, place all your confidence in these words for the things that you need. Place all your confidence. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, 
Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the next portions of our uh, service is that we do communion. And so we ask that if you have a relationship with Jesus, you have a relationship, go ahead and partake in communion. Uh, one of the things that we do, we do know part of communion is that we partake of the bread because he was broken for us. Because he, Jesus died on the cross for us and he was resurrected, but we remember him in this. And we take of the cup because there's no way that we could have handled the wrath that God had for our lives. But this cup means that it is redemption for us, that we are redeemed by his blood. And it's such a powerful remembrance of what's happening in our life. And as the communion team is getting ready. Today, if you think about the message, what could cause you to pray? The big idea is placing all your confidence in God. That everything that you worry about, placing all your confidence in God. And bringing that to prayer. Paul said it even, he says, don't worry about anything, but bring everything to prayer. I know some of us are, I grew up around a house that was full of worry. Full of worry and anxiety and didn't know what was going to happen. And that, and as I became a Christian and started to live more, uh, those are some of the things that I had to change. And so as Steve is passing out communion, I'm going to play a song, but I'm going to pray right in the midst of that. Father, I come with confidence right now in knowing that as we do this in remembrance of your son Jesus, that we will see our brokenness and we will see our redemption that was only supplied by him. So first, God, we seek your kingdom. We thank you for this communion. We ask that bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.